0: Good evening everybody and welcome to the next episode of Veterinary Ramblings. My name is Mike Brampton.
1: And my name is Julian Hoad.
0: Wow. What a day today. What How was your day. day
1: today? I've been I've been cold all day, Mike. <laughs> I'll tell you why, I've been sitting in the office yeah. on a on Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, doing stuff for the for the school. Right, uh, and and it's cold in there. It's back of the house, and I've been miserable. Oh. So it's good to get warm. Oh. I've got a Negroni here; it's going to warm me up. I've got my my thick um, uh, Sherpa jumper on.
0: Very nice too. And I
1: I'm sitting in front of my my orchids, so I'm all right. How about you, Mike? How is your day?
0: Ah, well, I'm a bit frustrated because I've sat in my office all day today. Uh, waiting for a courier to uh, deliver some kit to me. And the tracking note said that they would be there at between 10.30 and uh, 2.30. Well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. well, traffic for me this morning was quite bad, I was glad I was on the motorbike, let's give them a little bit of latitude as 3.30 came. And then I sent a message saying, where's my kit? I got nothing back. And 4.30 came and went. And... Five thirty came and went. So, in a little bit of a fit of rage, I telephoned said courier company to be told, "Well, if you haven't had the delivery today, we won't be delivering today. We'll deliver to you on Monday." Oh, Hi. I... Ah. FFS. Yes, FFS. Yeah. So-
1: Hi, I'm Mike Brampton, and my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. We need something to cheer us up, don't we? Do we have a nice guest tonight? Will, will our guest cheer us up, do you think?
0: I think our guest will definitely cheer us up tonight. Um, Who's on tonight? Well, tonight, uh, it's it's not Mr. Doctor, Professor, Mr. Anybody. Uh, Dr. Alison Lambert is our guest
1: tonight. Associate Professor, Dr. Ali- Alison Lambert.
0: Associate Professor, Dr. Alison Lambert. Absolutely.
1: She's the associate professor at Nottingham University, isn't she? Yep. Uh, that's the... Now, she's a, uh, a business lecturer there, isn't she? Veterinary business lecturer. Let's, should we have her on? Should we have her on? Have a chat? Let's
0: get Alison in and uh, see how she is. I can see she's in the waiting room. So, with no further ado, let's get Dr. Alison Lambert in. Oh, hello. Or, or hello. Hello, should we call you Associate Professor? Well,
2: you can you can call me call me many things. Yes, but my name's Alison really. It's all good.
1: It's all good. Prof. Call you
2: prof. And prof. rather you didn't. It's an honorary thing,
1: so nothing worse than
2: someone assuming um stat should be on their educational capabilities. So
1: Well well on prof, great to see you. Nice to
2: see you too. Cheers. Nice to see you, Alison. Cheers.
0: Good evening. What, what's that you're drinking there, Alison? Is that...
2: This is a um, delightful Sauvignon Blanc, Cloudy Bay, Marlborough,
0: 2019. A um, Sauvignon Blancs are available.
2: Oh, they are. Oh, yes, I forgot about that, but I don't like them. Um, no, they're not as nice. <laughs> um, this is a nice, slightly less acid, I think, than 2018, and slightly more fragrant, personally speaking. Not that I'm a bit of a snob about Sauvignon Blanc, but I am.
1: Do you know, I, I think I was I was slightly more fragrant in 2019 and 2018. Think you know? so. I think so, definitely. I've heard people tell me that. Mm.
2: <gasps> good job we don't have sniffer vision,
1: really. <laughs> <Yeah>. Smelly vision. <laughs> it's really, vision good to, really good to see on the on the show tonight, Alison. Thanks for thanks for coming on. And so, so, so you 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 were brought up in in various parts of Yorkshire, and then you became a vet, and then you worked for Hills for a while. Oh yes. And now, though, now is the most exciting part of of your career because you, well, you are... missed a
2: bit. Then you missed a bit. It wasn't Hills. to Now
1: it was a bit Hills to somewhere. To now. Oh, it was. It was. Hold on, and it was Mars. Hills, Hills to oh, Mars. Oh, yes. To Mars. Yeah, I was going to
2: let the cat in close the door, but Mars was the most formative part of my. Uh career to date i reckon right why is that why um it's a very good question because at the time it didn't feel like it mm-hmm. <laughs> but on reflection it certainly was um it, i had a ball you know because i mean the, the journey to the miles organization for me was um you know go to vet school be a vet be a vet be a vet be a vet first job wasn't a brilliant move second job they went bust. third job didn't go awfully well. Um, have i missed anybody out then the last job was black wednesday and stuff happened so and everything went a bit crazy so i ended up selling dog food went back to locoming and then ended up at mars so there's kind of this kind of torturous pathway Mm. of craziness um but mars i wasn't a vet i was just me i was allison so they, they, i was employed because i could do the job they needed doing which was customer insights or marketing or sales management or whatever so I, i stopped being a vet and i think that maybe something that all vets should do for a while is be a human and don't carry this badge, which is why I don't like, I don't use a doctor title. Um, I don't particularly like the badging that we have put on ourselves because I think mm-hmm. it makes us, it creates an expectation in ourselves of ourselves. And actually we're people first and we're veterinary surgeons second.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I do yeah. think we need to be more human.
1: I, I must admit, one of, one of the best times of my veterinary career was uh, was driving a dumper truck for uh, my brother's brother-in-law, uh, who who makes um, ornamental ponds, mm-hmm. and I worked there for a month, and had a fantastic time, absolutely great, uh, and it was nice. to sort of put my career back into into more perspective.
2: What well, well, I, what I used to love about miles, and I, on reflection, I did love it in the moment. The last couple of years, it was like I was quite senior and had to be responsible and stuff, and that, that was like I'm not sure that was. You could look at a situation commercially and because you've been trained, your brain, the veterinary brain is an incredibly well-trained thing. You know, you, you only get into vet school because you've got some intellectual capability. I did struggle a bit to get in, I have to say. If it wasn't for Eric Pickering, and the, the Liverpool graduates will know Eric Pickering was a god, sadly no longer with us, but without Eric Pickering, I would never got into vet school because I played hockey. My A-levels were dubious. I've got seven mm-hmm. A-levels, A through D. Over three years. <laughs> um, but I could play hockey, and that was kind of the prerequisite for mm-hmm. Liverpool at that time. Um, so I, I think that rebooting this intellect, and when you take you yourself out of your every context and you go into an industrial or commercial context, you see things with a clarity, which is like sit rep, stuff, triage, bang, 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 job done, treatment plan. And that's business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I've enjoyed doing what I'm doing, because you don't have to be big or clever. You just have to just use your intellect. Um, I think that's a highly capable of doing so many other things. So driving a dump truck was probably that, uh, give you headspace back.
1: It was brilliant. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a fantastic day where I was, uh, we were building uh, a three quarters of an acre pond in someone's garden. Uh, he was, I think he was a pond? A, a, a pond, a big pond. lake In someone's garden. A lake. Uh, he, he called. It, he wanted it to be a pond, he wanted it to be a pond, ornamental pond. And um he was uh an oil uh baron of some sort, uh, from one of the uh, United Arab Emirates. Uh and I was driving my dumper truck through his land because he wanted he wanted the, the soil from the uh, from the pond taken and and used to make um uh, a, a flower on, 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 on the, the other hand, side. Sorry. Excuse me, I'll just get the cat. <laughs> <Okay>. Hi, <sir. laughs> <laughs> and, and, so, and so I was driving this dumper truck full of, full of soil through his stables, and his, his young wife was there uh, tending to one of the horses. And I, I saw her riding a horse, and I, I said, whoa, 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 She said, what? I said, your horse is lame on the off four." She looked at me in my mud, bespattered garb, <laughs> my hard hat, and she said, What? I said, yeah, I, I think it might there might have something in the uh in the foot. Do you mind if I have a quick look? So I hopped off the uh the dumper truck. And uh she, she got off the horse and I lifted the foot up and I said, Oh, yeah, do you have a hoof knife? And she said, Yes. She handed it to me. And I I, I dug around and said, oh, there's pus in the foot here. I said, I can't do anything about this just yet, but you need to get your, get your farrier out, take the shoe off, and um get the vet in. But there's, there's pus in the foot here. She said, <laughs> Horrible little man, you've ruined my days right. <laughs> well, but two days later I got a I got to the, 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 the building site and there was a, a case of champagne on the dumper truck. Wow Look at this. She got so grateful I'd saved a horse's foot. Um, so we, we, oh, we, we we're, we're drifting away from your from your career oh, yes. a little bit. Because because well, then you, you, you went and founded on switch.
2: Yes I did out of necessity. I didn't have a job.
1: But out of necessity from the veterinary side as well, because there, there was no other company like OnSwitch, and there still is. So, Mike and I often say, when we're talking about um, uh, items on this show, we always say you know, other such and such are available, but with OnSwitch, there isn't really anything else available, is there? No,
2: the, 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 genuinely there isn't. And I think that's because it's a, it's a niche, it's a box and a niche, which is like the customer experience and um, back in 2001 when OnSwitch was founded under a, it had various situations before it became OnSwitch and that's a story that needs telling why it became called OnSwitch because it wasn't called that in the beginning um, it wasn't anything but that was a Mars thing which was if you understand your customers and you know why they do what they do and what they want and you learn how to communicate that to them even though they didn't know they did want it mm-hmm. then that's a thing and that's a whole discipline of customer experience you know, marketing, all of that kind of thing research so when i made the decision to leave mars on that thursday morning which i did i just kind of walked out and Went, i can't do this anymore sat in the car park and cried for an hour and Said, that's it i'm out of here um which is 2001 um i actually needed a job <laughs> i'm unemployable so let's start a business mm-hmm. what do i know i know this customer experience thing the mars thing which was you know massive yeah. family-owned Marketing-led organization, and I'm a vet, you know. So let's put these two together, and then I'll go and knock on a few doors and say, "Hey, I can help you do this." And they will just look at me and went, "Why do we need to do that?" I said, "Because you could be better." Yeah. No, we're fine. And then that same parallel process was changing the regulations of people going practices. So mm. other people came in and started doing all the things that I knew how to do. So then practice went, "Oh yeah, we do need that right now." Mm. So 20 years ago, 2001. What 20 years, girls? Next year. Um, yeah, and I don't think it's a very interesting niche because it's all about putting the customer human at the middle of the thinking process. And people go, Yeah, but we do animals. I'm going, yeah, but they don't pay bills. <laughs> they don't drive cars. They don't they can't work pin machines. You know, you need to get the human. If you don't get the human, you don't get the pet, you don't get the horse, you don't get the farm. You know, you, you you've got your interface is the other humans. It's a human human thing. So always drives me potty when people say they want to be a vet because they love animals. And it's like that's probably not the right reason. It's a no,
1: place. you've got to love the people. There, there is, w- without the human interaction, there is no vet.
2: So, do you, so it's that thing about people not being available, you know, without people there isn't a profession, that, that the COVID experience has absolutely proved that. Yes. Because it's yeah. become very disconnected for colleague-to-colleague communication and colleague-to-client, mm. except for the farm and equine guys who's obviously, because they're fresh air, they're kind of, of course. slightly different. But the building-based work has struggled its communication
1: it, path. It, it has and, and actually I went from um, from thinking uh, at the start of, of lockdown where we were still treating but uh, grabbing the pets from the owners shouting you are dirty go away and running into the practice clutching their, their, their pets. Um, I started thinking yeah, this is quite good we, we've got you know 20 minutes half an hour to examine this, this, this cat without any interruptions. Um, we've for the last month or so we've been allowing clients back into the practice and I've realised why I love the job as much as I do and it's not taking the animal in isolation and thinking yep there's a problem here I can use drugs or surgery to fix it it's actually getting to know the human animal bond and it's learning it afresh each day and thinking how can I make that better not how can I make the cat better that's part of it but how can I improve that bond and it's really important in this day and age where, where so many people are isolated. So so uh, uh, isolation has become socially isolating. We have a lot of people who can only relate to, to, to their pets because they can't see their family. They can't see their friends. And mm. we need to treat that. We don't just need to... get a a dog better or a cat better. And you've had problems with your cat recently, haven't you, Alice? Yes,
2: you can probably hear him whinging in the background. He may yet make an (laughs) appearance. Yes, poor old Shammy, famous Shammy. If you follow on Switch on Facebook, you'll know Shammy Cat. Um, He's an eight-year-old male new to Tonkinese, for those that wish to know that actually he's a critter as well. Um, Yes, he stayed out, dirty stop out, and had a fight with somebody a bit bigger than himself. So trip to the vets yesterday morning, um, all fixed, um, big bite wound. We thought he'd maybe done something to his kind of shoulder or elbow. So he's had x rays and magic has happened. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of the whole experience was no phone calls. It was like text, cat not well, bringing him in. Great. See you at 10. Fantastic. Drop off. Here's the cat. Fixed cat. Okay. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing the other. Here's his x ray. Here's, here's his fluids. Here's mm-hmm. what's happening. His bloods are showing this. It's a big hole. He'll stay in the night. Updates. He's good. Can you pick him up at three? Job's a good one. Here's your bill. Pick up cat, cat home. Um, Ow. <laughs> and Ow. on you. Chancellor, yeah. do you want to come
0: in? Oh,
2: Shall I, I get him? Because he's literally there now.
0: Yeah, get him. Bring him up. Come here,
2: Chancellor. Oh,
1: don't run away. I know. It's those baldy guys. I'm clearing off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> that bloke no, should called me "cat" in 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 Mandarin. He,
2: he's run away just to, just to prove I need my blankets. Just cold, to prove. You
1: know. chilling, um,
2: are he, He's run away, but he's fine, bless him. Yeah. But just picking up on what we were saying yeah.
1: earlier. No, so no no phone calls.
2: I didn't ring. I just went. Oh, cat, not well. I'm coming <laughs> down. I'll just leave him with you um and the communication between the okay i know the practice you know Um, but they they do that that's not me getting special treatment it's how they handle their client base um and so i got a video this morning just to say he's fine you know can you come and pick him up at three and i go yes then i get and here's his account i'm going thank you i'll pay the excess and do the claim and yada yada um so simple Mm. you know very connected even though not through a phone call Um, and That's one of the big things, I suppose, is that, you know, when I look at, you know, you pick up your phone and you go, you don't ring Ryanair, do you, to book a flight? Hello, Mr. Ryanair, can I book a flight? You don't do that. You, yeah. you just well, I, don't, it I
1: don't because I know they're going to add everything to it when I do that. So I, I avoid Ryanair. But.
2: <laughs> but it's seamless experience. And the cat's fine, even though he's moaning, he wants to go out and he's blowing a Force 9 and he's got a big green bandage on his leg. Um, but no, he's good. It? Ah, that was thank you, thank you. to Warrington Vets for looking after Shami um, and having me yeah. as a client.
1: <laughs> well, well done. So Warrington Vets is that where Warrington
2: look. Vets in guess They look after my critters and they tolerate
1: me. Well, I think Warrington Vets are doing a great job. Well, well done, Warrington Vets. Please, oh, yes. I'll please raise please. a glass to that. Well done, Warrington Vets. Get the praise. <laughs> Fantastic yeah. job. Have a you had a, uh, a conference. We Um, had a conference
2: in June, yes, but it didn't happen physically,
1: right?
2: um, Because um, we weren't allowed. And to to be found on a very serious note, um, there are industries who are utterly devastated because they can't legally trade, such as the hospitality and the events guys, and Mm. um, the huge amount of people who I I know through through theatre and you know the the arts who are utterly devastated by this. You know, Mm. Um, so I think the event profession, given their trading up on last year most practices seem to be having a bit of a boom time Mm. um it's not everyone's not having the same pandemic it's i think a little humility sometimes is actually not a bad idea
1: um, absolutely we're all we're all struggling in different ways i think but um but some people are really really struggling having a desperately poor time of this
2: yeah and you know the conference we, we we made the decision to um go ahead and record all the speakers but not in real time. So then we would right. put it all together so that people could view it later. And on reflection, that was probably one of the daftest decisions I've ever made. Um, is we sh- Oh, we should have just done it in real time because the speakers were booked to do it physically.
0: Yeah,
2: like, You're going to be here and do it. It's just not happening now, but can you just sit at home and do that same slot now? But the moment we said, we'll do it before the end of June, that drifted for a lot of people. Their diaries got stretched and... I think the discipline of having it's now and it's this time and it's this day. I think we should have stuck with that, but we, we thought we'd make it easier for people, and that didn't really work. We won't do that again. But um, we can still
1: access it. it.
0: Sorry, Mike. Did that come across in their presentations?
2: No, not. I don't think so. Um, I think everybody. I mean, all the speakers. I mean, there's there's 25 hours or five streams. There's 25 hours of content, and from lots of different people doing lots of different perspectives from you know from across the globe. Um, and they all have a, their content is around that aspect of the whole customer experience delivery, whether that's from the front desk, from the consult room, from leading or managing teams, or on farm, SQP, or in a difficult situation. So they all had a good story to tell and some great content. And um, it was just, you know, when you look back, you go, "Could I, I have done it differently?" In the answer is yes, I could have, because I could have said, "We're going ahead with the schedule as planned, but you're just going to be sat at home." Whereas we said, "We're not going ahead." We can do it before. And it just, people's lives are busy. You know, you, mm. you ask a lot of people when they're, they're speaking, you know, can they get, you know, they get their pay and, because they're given their time and what have you. Um, but we should have stuck to a, a and we'll, we Next year, we, um, we, we will do something live, in, but digitally, I think.
0: Uh, okay, here, so we? We, we've, we've discussed a number of times that um, gin is so much more than a, a breakfast drink.
1: Mm. Much more.
0: So, allowing for the time differences, you you've spoken there, Alison, that you had speakers from Australia. Is this the CX conference? That yeah, oh
2: with? yeah, yeah, CX. So, CX Congress Twenty Twenty. Right. Um So that's the sixth or seventh. track I think it's the sixth or seventh one this year. Right. Um, so we we had, um, we had we had we have four speakers from Australia, um, right. And they they covered all sorts of interesting perspectives. Um, so Kathy Uren, she talked about her, how she manned, she owns a practice, but she manned the front desk throughout the, the pandemic, so she came different. Right. Uh, Kate Tyre, who, Kate's experience, um, they had their practices in Batemans Bay and they were devastated by the fires. You remember the Australian Navy rescue yeah. people from Batemans Bay well their practice is mm. at Batemans Bay, so they they wow. just recovered from fire, and then they were into, um, the, you know, the pandemic. And, and Kate's story is a very powerful story. Um, Steve Jocelyn from Vet Me DB. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. great guy. Amazing beard. Oh, amazing. amazing.
1: Yeah. was right, like ZZ, ZZ, ZZ Talk, it? wasn't it?
2: Yeah, great yeah. guy. Yeah. Talk about the future, you know, using the microchip as a, you know, like a, a, a Bluetooth thing with a bit of magic to know that you've got this blockchain-enabled certification of activity way beyond my pay scale but a really interesting session. um and brook champers who's an emergency vet um uh, on the gold coast so those guys all talked about their aspects of how what they do impacts on the customer experience and ultimately the patient outcomes so available to download if you go on switch website and um, you can pay to view and also the back the back collections from the previous years as well so the cx congress collection really nice bunch of people all who've got a different perspective. Um, and we desperately need to just see that that bit that we do so much clinical CPD, and mm. we have to. I get mm. that, but you can only get the owners to say yes to treatment plans and do the right thing for patients if you get the human and and make it easy for them. You know that's the key to it.
1: So, it is, and actually, it's, it's not just it's not just about getting owners to 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 consent to treatment. It's not just about getting. Uh, more, more, more money for the practice. It's actually about enjoying your life and having a bit of um, mental well-being as well. If you can improve your communication as a vet, then there are fewer misunderstandings. Clients get more out of it. You get more out of it. There are fewer complaints, and much more enjoyment to be had. I, I, I absolutely, I've said it before. I say it again. I love the job I do. Absolutely love it. I've got some amazing clients who are known for. A, a good percentage of my life now Um so uh, most of my clients are, are actually my friends uh, the new vets that are that are coming out i think struggle because they're often not able to be in practices for as long they're not able to be in practices for as long hours either the the, the, the nature of practice has changed so when mm-hmm. i first started i, I was on call you know, m- most of the time it seemed uh and you you see people before breakfast after breakfast middle of the night and you you do get to know them uh, very well you, you get to see them you know uh pajamas and all don't you when they when they rush into the practice late at night so, so the you know the, the, the newer uh vets have to make a a relationship with the client on a on a sort of nine to five basis and unless they get skills from well from you because there are no other people giving those skills then they they really struggle they can deal with the clinical stuff okay but they can't deal with the human side of things so well
2: you, you make a very interesting perspective and i think it, uh, our generation are very much in danger of saying in the good old days it looked like this and it can it, it can be heard that way it's not intended that way i know that's not no, no no no
1: no no i a, believe me i didn't I didn't like the good old days of being on call seven days a week and uh, three hundred and five days a, a year, but you know there, there are differences.
2: And the, the key, though, is is that that experience of being the only person who had was there to make the decision. So, I, I for me, one of the things that I would do if I changed the way vets qualified, went through education, and then worked in the first two or three years. I actually think doing on call for two years makes your decision making easier because it's like the worst that can happen is nothing happens. I can do something to change the outcome for this patient and I'm the only one here. And I do think it changes and builds experiences of I don't know the answer, but I'll do my damnedest and that's okay. Um, And we talk a lot about resilience and there's a huge debate about whether you can teach resilience or whether resilience is a thing that becomes a learned Cost of incremental things, and I do think the not doing out of hours in the beginning you know, mm. that, that it's 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 going from one extreme maybe to another. That yeah. there was some rich learning in that it's on me, and I can say, and there's nothing better than that feeling of that GDV coming in and you going, If I do nothing, it dies. If I yeah. do something, it may live. And that's a massive thing. I remember, I mean, I was not an orthopedic surgeon by anybody's stretch of imagination, um, but I i'd looked after a greyhound um we had a dog track and we you know my 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 boss at the time was very good with greyhounds and I, I wasn't particularly good with greyhounds however um this greyhound got back to running which you know for a greyhound is injured and can compete again and the man bless him i can a lot of photograph of him um he he bought a trophy to present at the greyhound track it, you know how you sponsor a race he, he sponsored a race and he created a trophy And I had to present it. It's like, mate, I'm a crap surgeon, but your dog can't run. It wasn't very good before it was injured, and it's still not very good now, but it's a lie. But he was so pleased that I Mm. could do something. But today, that wouldn't be possible because someone would say that's a referral, you know? And I think our yin yang of how do I learn to be comfortable with tissue handling and skills if I never do any, you know? Mm. Mm. How do you go from no tissue yeah. handling to doing anything if you don't have the incremental moments. And I, I, I don't yeah. know about that. that
0: there's, I, there's, I, I... There's, there's two things you say there, both of you, and I think it, it's very important. Um, I've come across an elite sport in, in my career and you never actually approach becoming a champion until you, you believe with your heart that you are that champion and you act like that champion. And and that's one. And, and it, you, you've reminded me there of an interesting tweet I saw from a good friend of mine who I've known since he was year two a veterinary student. And he's qualified. He's now, I think he's about three years, four years post-grad. Mm-hmm. And he's got an internship. And you you highlight a point there that he actually tweeted that, Today, he faced the situation without calling for help.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he'd sort of crossed that Rubicon. Mm-hmm. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd suddenly realized that he hadn't got that help available. It, it wasn't on the end of the phone, it wasn't on the internet, etc. He was going to have to man up, make that decision, and move forwards with the treatment protocol. And he made he- those decisions. It came good. It worked, and I think he's now assumed that mantle of a veterinary surgeon. For the first time in his career, he's done so many so many marvellous things mm. throughout, and now four five years post-grad, wow. he's had to make that, that critical decision. He hadn't got the support. He didn't rely on the support. He made that decision and has now grown as a, as a man as a veterinary surgeon moving forwards.
2: That it's, is it's, interesting, Yeah, it's you know i mean and we're having just said it's you know my generation our generation is in danger of saying in the good old days it looked like this but the idea of being five years before i would make an independent decision that seems like an awfully long time yeah, yeah. as a professional colleague yeah. to be in the Absolutely. position to be uniquely making the decision for the first time and no, you're right and i do i mean again you know the vet school curriculum is packed with, you know, modern kit and equipment and diagnose diagnoses and disease. I mean, ultrasound just wasn't invented when I qualified, and the internet wasn't either. Yeah. But, you know, this was the ultrasound. You know, at the ends of your fingers, and it's that why my generation can still feel adrenal glands it's because we we can, because
0: you not scan
2: yeah. them because we don't know how to turn a scanner on, but we, we can do this. Um, is there somewhere in there we've lost the experiential piece? Which you know, when the you know, the medics and the house doctor rotations, I think that bit works for them because everybody gets a chance of having to be the person who makes a decision about something. Yep. And I know a lot of people don't like what I'm going to say next, but I genuinely think we have to really face into education is that we're creating some very highly skilled, highly intelligent people who, when they come out, they're faced with something that they haven't ever done. It's yep. astonishing, like, you know, having never done a series of, Everyday dentistry, everyday neutering, everyday looks mm. and bumps. How can you not be ready for that? And my my nephews are tradesmen in Australia, and one's an electrician, and one's a carpenter. Um, and as they went through their apprenticeship, they, their skills were incrementally built. So when they pass, they can do it. And mm. that, I don't get why we don't... And I know I've had this conversation with the academics and the education people, and they just tell me it's not possible. But why can't why? we have a modern apprenticeship approach to incremental learning. Right. Absolutely. I think that would take away yeah. all the issues of fear and confidence. Yep. It's level. exposing to little steps. It's Absolutely. like gaming, isn't it? You know, people yeah. are, you know level 15 on a game or whatever. You don't start. Yeah. You start with mm. one and then you go to right. two. And, then, and yeah. I know it sounds simplistic and I know that I'm in danger of probably annoying people by saying, I do think we need a professional apprenticeship. It works for accountancy. It works for law. It works for other high-skilled professionals. It's an interesting concept. But, you know, you yeah. could... The Nottingham degree is two mm. degrees. It's the three-year degree. It's a science degree. So people can leave after three years if they feel that the veterinary pathway isn't for them. Yep. So they have a BSc equivalent, you know, in the primary research, they can do the stuff and they move on. And some people do. They need that get-out clause mm. in a five-year course because you're not the same person three years after,
1: you know, no, five no. Of uh, especially not at that age. That you go in. It's yeah. a
2: lot, isn't it? Um
1: mm.
2: so and then the last two years of the clinical years, it's like you've done the science piece. Now let's do this bit, the bit that is the mm. and as it's a distributed model, it's you know, there isn't a veterinary hospital there, it's go to see real people. And it's it's kind of a halfway and it's not a million miles, I don't think, from looking at a professional apprenticeship.
1: Move moving back, moving back. We we talk of risk aversion, don't we, these days in in the new grads and who can blame a new grad these days in this climate of um, uh, of, of litigation? Who can blame them for being risk-averse? Well, hang
2: but, on a minute. What's the actual risk of someone being sued as a veterinary surgeon in the UK?
1: Well, to, to be honest, I, I, don't, I don't know the actual risk, but I do know... Not what, a lot. No, but I do know the risk... And as a new
2: grad, it's no higher, I think, if I remember right, from the last step. So. Okay. No,
1: be, because clients aren't fools clients know that you're a new grad and and you're honest and tell them you're a new grad and they will they will give you some form of, of leniency but but i think a lot of new grads are taught to be very risk averse they're taught it's a bad world out there and that's, that's my it, issue yes yeah, it isn't a bad world it's just it's the world. Not, it's not and they're taught that rather than being taught this is how to communicate what you know and what you don't know
0: so, it's so are, there less, are there any particular lessons that UK vets could learn from? Not that we've got that many UK vets listening to the show. Most seem to be in America. Oh, uh, okay. It, okay. From Australia,
2: the big thing for me is that if you want to, if you want to scale a multi-site operation, so you want to have, you know, 50, 100, 200, 000, 2,000 practices, mm-hmm. in the image of an operating model. You've got to define your operating model. You can't yeah. leave it up to people to make it up as they go along today. Like, Monday, we're going to do it this way. <laughs> but next week, we'll do another way. You can't do that. It's got to be systemized. And, and the best systemized businesses are the ones we're all very familiar with, whether that's Starbucks or Costa or McDonald's or Bob Jane Tires or you know somebody who's just a systemized thing. And, and that just means you get exceptional consistency with everyday people. You don't need superstars in the building, and our profession relies on superstars in the building, and it's draining. Mm-hmm. You, you know what it's like. You, you know, if you've got a pair, you've got a vet and a nurse pair, and if they're working together, you know, magic happens. You've got a different pair. <laughs> You're still doing mm-hmm. cats at four o'clock, and it's like, what happened? You know, um, if you haven't systemized it, and it, it takes a bit of legwork. Um, and it means that you say you can have all your clinical freedom in the world absolutely, but the way we do it here is and we systemise it so that people are brilliantly trained and inducted and that they know what the right things to do are, you take you take all the blah blah out, too much blah blah layers of management squash, mm-hmm. leave the local site with the autonomy, they know what they're meant to do so just do this
1: But five so, layers
2: of management just cocks it all up
1: so it's easy to see how Individual vets in private practices can improve then uh, simply by, by going to your courses. Are you able to do anything with the corporates? We, to be fair, we'll work with anyone if it pays their bills,
2: hmm. to be honest. Um, we've never kind of said we'll only work with certain people. I've always said, you know, we'll work with you, you pay your bills. If you don't pay your bills, we won't work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we don't like you, we won't work with you. I've said Different that matter, to yeah. people. <laughs> I, you've got to have a values alignment. Some people don't get it. And it's 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 um it's not gonna work. You know, you, you meet those people, you just go, ah, stop it, it's not gonna happen. Um so we 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 work with large groups, multi-site operators, we work with people who, you know, in different countries where English isn't the first language, so you know the principles of what we do are translatable. Um and we work across three three key things, which is first contact resolution, first call resolution, first consult resolution. So if someone lands in your digital space, they've got to be able to book online, order online, communicate with you, do stuff without picking the phone up. That's Mm -hmm. what we do. If they do have to pick the phone up, then you have to then say, they're only ringing us because they haven't fixed it. Mm -hmm. So they need us now. So we need to connect them to a vet at the end. Connect them to a vet, connect them to a doctor, whatever it is in your country. And then first consult resolution is they're in front of you now. So go to Good Medicine now because they've left it four days because they've been trying to fix it. So don't Mm. wait and see, you know, bad medicine is, oh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, let's try. Nope. Done all of that. Done the white fish, done the starving, done the box rest, done the hosing. Fix it. So those three, if you get those three right, then everything kind of flows from that culturally. It's all about culture, Um, Mm. but it's about someone managing it. So, you know, measure, train, you know, inspire the whole thing. It's entirely, you know, it's like all things in life. It's not rocket science, genuinely. Okay. Um, the fact, what the is fact it? that McDonald's and those guys can make it work is just like this is what we do, guys. Do it so, like. So what is
0: it that the Australians are getting that the UK practices aren't?
2: Well, a lot of tick paralysis. Um, they have horrible diseases, so they have to have a bloody system.
0: They have horrible creatures uh, over there. Yeah, but it, yeah. if you're
2: in an emergency setting in Australia and someone rings up and goes, "I think my dog's eat, you know being bitten by a snake," or "I think it might be tick," You don't funny around. It's like, right. you've got 20 minutes, mate. This is our protocol. This is how we deal with it. Get to an emergency right. centre. So that they've got, I, I just think they've got more, it's your choice. You know, if you do this, your dog might live. If you do this, your dog's going to die. The end. There isn't, oh, well, we could do this or we could do that.
0: So mm. It's so this very is, direct. So this is, this is part of the Australian, I, I mean, I love my time in Australia. and I'm going to go back there as soon as I can. Um, that the, They are very direct. it's uh it's almost a take it or leave it it's a it's a brace yourself sheila you know that's their their definition of foreplay isn't it you know it's i think
2: that perhaps isn't the best analogy i think they they have a clear view of what's possible
0: oh okay clear view i I apologize i apologize for that yeah (laughs) enough. I find the Australians very direct. So, so what you're saying, you're almost talking there about procedures and protocols, Alison, and, and um, almost almost checklists.
2: Am I? Am I really? I, I think don't know. I'm talking about No, I think, mm, I think I'm talking about cultural belief that by the time by the time someone picks the phone up and goes, "I'm ringing the vet because I'm a bit worried about my dog," in Australia that could be terminal. Yeah, it's like you're worried about your dog come in and if they choose not to come in that's on the owner's head.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas
2: here we, you know, we know our appointment offer rate on all the calls that we do. We've just done a massive um, research project for someone to see what's been happening mm-hmm. over August and September with you know a scenario. So we've rung every practice in Britain
1: mm-hmm. that does
2: small animal work with a we just got a puppy, you know how much vaccines very standard scenario everyone's got a puppy. And of those, um I think it was 31% offered to see that puppy. Wow, thirty-one percent offered to see, which, by your mathematics, if you're quick, means that sixty-nine percent didn't. Mm. Right. Now, why why do we not invite them in? They've got a baby dog. They've run a vet practice. Why not offer to connect them? Because that puppy needs a lifetime of care, and it needs, yeah. you know, be health checked. It needs a load of stuff. Whereas in Australia, I find that they have a refreshing approach to. Well, you've rung us, so here you go. If you don't come yeah. in, then that's on your head. Whereas we don't, we, I think it's cultural. I think it's cultural. Yes, you could work with, you know, checklists and the checklist manifesto. I'm sure, you know, that atal Grande stuff is mm. something which, you know, until we put procedural stuff in at key points, I think it has to happen. Airline safety, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think there's a layer of culture above that. Because if you just do checklists without culture, it becomes methodically very dull and people resent it. We're doing this what? so that we save lives or planes don't crash or mm. patients live longer or they survive anaesthesia or we make the best of it. I think there's a cultural piece that says we do this because we care what's the right thing
1: Well, that's patient? right. There's the other layer as well where someone phones up, it's a client you know, phones up, it's got a new puppy. You want to actually see it. And you want to say, well, Benji, Benji, bring it in. What are, you, what are you doing? You're not answering
2: the phone though, are you?
1: No, but but actually most of my Receptionists, uh, but they're they all interested, and so it's not just a. Uh, but that's and, cultural and, and, they'll, and they'll say to me, Julian, look, I'm sorry, I know, I know you're fully booked today, but you know, you know, um, you know, it's a Nick, puppy, you got a new puppy. We have got you got to see it. So it's coming in at, at six o'clock, and and you know, is that all right But they
2: know that you're okay with that because you have set the culture. Yeah. You've said this is what we do here. Someone gets a puppy, we see the puppy because it's the right thing. We like puppies, but the puppy needs to see us. You've set the culture and it's trickle down.
1: Yeah. Culture yeah.
2: is what happens around here. What happens around here is someone ends up with a puppy, Julian sees it. That's a culture. Mm. You've set it. It's not the same everywhere. It's like, oh it's it's ten to seven on a Friday, everyone can just bugger off. I'm not seeing puppies that can come in on Monday. That's culture as well. But I, I just think the urgency of the Australian culture is I think they said they have an urgent crack on don't fanny around jobs are good
1: and
2: Hmm. I think the culture is totally different it suits my approach
1: I I remember seeing practice um, and uh, I was at a practice where there were a couple of EMS EMS there were a couple of um, Australian vets there they were rather nice actually and um, and one of them said um, hey Julian do you want to come around for a barbie tonight and I said "Um," I said yeah right, fair enough so yeah it's a it's gonna be a nice night. We're just gonna be, you know, just wearing our thongs and stuff. And I thought, uh, uh, uh.
2: <laughs> the thong problem. Hey, fantastic, brilliant. So you'll be popping a thong.
1: Popping, absolutely. So I turned up. Well, thongs are uh, flip flops, aren't they? They are. And
2: you yeah. pop you a thong what. when when you bit, you pops.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'd never been so uncomfortable in my life. <laughs> Honestly, I put, I put my shorts on over. My, my mankini and um, it's right up. I, you know, enough said. Mike's been there. He knows that. They, they, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. It's the
2: trouble with language, isn't its is One word yeah. means one thing and it might mean another. But thong is so.
0: <laughs> but yeah, they have a different
2: culture, Mike. I, I just think and, they deal with it differently.
0: Yeah. And, and for the guys in America, um, a thong in Britain is a sort of a, a string bikini bottom. And a thong in Australia, the shoe is, we call a flip flop or a shoe, which is where the, the little piece comes up between your big toe and your next toe. And what do they call them in America?
2: Do you know? That's what I was just thinking. I don't know what you what. Help me out
1: here, guys. I
0: know.
2: You
1: know know no you idea. Thong they're in they're America, our own consults have taken off, haven't they? Well, have they? What can you tell us about that? I, 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 I'm going to say here, I hate them. I, what are, you, are you
2: doing video or phone? Both. Right. Which do you prefer?
1: Neither. Yeah. No, actually, out of both, I prefer phone. Do you? Yeah.
2: Interesting, isn't
1: it? Go on. No, I, 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 I just, just. Just because, just because the people that we tend to do the video consults with are completely unable to point the video at the problem area of their pet and so i find it much easier to get them to how would that help
2: you i mean this this is brilliant because this is priceless because you're wanting to do through video what you would do through fingers and eyes Mm. you can't because you're not there so you Mm. have to use your ears yes and listen and then go yes i can vaguely see it doesn't look quite right in or actually, I can see in what you said, it'll be okay. So you're triaging. You're not doing a diagnostic.
1: No, 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 we're not. We're doing a best case scenario of a triage.
2: Yeah, and you may know, like you said, you know your clients. So you've got an established vet client patient relationship. So your VCPR is in place. So I know Bobby. I've known Bobby's mum and dad. VCPR, vet client patient relationship, critical. If you right. have one established, you can have a relationship with people because you know them. If you haven't got one established, it's the first time you spoke to them, you don't have one established. And for our North American colleagues, that's a legal requirement. And it varies state by state um, for disease process as well. So you need, you need a VCPR for each disease presentation in the US. So, dog presented seen once for a lameness, that same dog presented for a sore eye, you need to physically assess the eye to have a VCPR for the eye issue. So it's, it's disease process Getting getting one of
1: those headaches. Oh, no, no, I've caught up. I've caught up. Yes, that's fine.
2: <laughs> But the reason being that if you have a VCPR, whether it's phone or video, you kind of know them. So you can kind of make it work. But if you don't know them, you're trying to do a diagnostic consult and you don't know them, so it's not working for you. I just went to a BMJ paper, which is just sitting on my desk, which is um, the medics looking at how they use um, video consults for human medicine. And there are are drawbacks, Um, one of which is we don't really get to touch the people or see the bit we want to see because you can't see eyes. You know, it's like if you're okay. a human with uveitis, you know, you're going to go like this and go, my eye's not right. It doesn't really work. No, um, no, There are limitations. And to say there aren't is to misrepresent the situation. What there are is massive opportunities. Um, for me, video top Trump's phone, because you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, And if you already know, like for Shammy, Shammy needs to go back in two days for a dressing change and so many days for a checkup. He won't be going back. I will take the dressing off and I will look mm-hmm. at it and I'll send the picture and go, is it okay? I yes. will also remember I am an yes, and I should know that, but mm-hmm. hey, and then yeah. I'll do the so same we, thing. We, if,
1: we do that We do that for post-op checks now and I don't think we'll ever stop doing it. So a couple of days' That's time... That's your fusion is it? it? Yeah. yeah.
2: So in the same way that the video was sent to me from the practice to say he's okay, I could have sent that video to them saying, what do you think? That mm. is also remote medicine, but with an established vet client patient relationship framework. Um, there's a huge place for remote medicine as a continuity of care. We've established a relationship. Mm. We know you, you know me, I know that patient. Continuity of care, you can't get in. or It's a bit tricky today. He's done this, what do you think? Perfect. It's not the answer to everything. And I do Mm. think perhaps we're barking up a few trees on remote prescribing without established VCPRs.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Joe, I hadn't hadn't thought of it as being a VCPR before, but there, there are so many of my friends who will send me videos or photos of their pets, and I know them very well, and they'll say, you know, Jack's doing this today. Is that all right? No, that's not all right. He'll go blind, is the answer, or whatever. Or, or, or you know, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, he's doing well. Or, or you know, um, no, stop him doing that and replace the strawberry jam. You know, whatever. The, the, the whole litany of, of possibilities exists.
2: That's so it. 40% of your annual health checks have got something else going on, which is a very strong argument for not having remote prescribing without established VCPR.
1: Absolutely. So you're, but you're but going actually, I'm just gonna, if I could if I could correct you there in, in the most positive way, uh, it's not 40% of people, uh, 40% of, of, of vaccines have something else going on. 40% of consults have something picked up. And so there's a minimum of 40% has something else going on. And you could argue that a lot more have, but they get missed.
2: I think what he did. Hang on a minute. I can't remember what he did. He he didn't. He reviewed, and when it was picked up,
1: it, it was it was picked up, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't then necessarily. So there's that. Sort of Venn diagram, isn't there? Of, yeah, of the problems that exist and the problems that are picked up, and the problems that are picked up. And the were, chances
2: are that forty percent understates because that yeah. was noted and picked up. Yeah. So there probably would be more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the point um, being is that you shouldn't be dishing I, out POMVs without laying hands on.
1: Yeah, off. almost half, almost half the patients you jab a vaccine in have something else that really needs addressing. Exactly. But actually, it, it shows how it shows the importance of, of an annual vaccination, and we. We of an annual
2: care. health check, we might not need the vaccine. I know,
1: I know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But it is—we it, we call it an annual vaccination, and we, we, we pick up on things otherwise. But you're absolutely right, Alison. It's an annual health check, and it's an MOT. So it, should, it,
2: it should be a license to own. Like if you're going to own this winter yeah. or this flock or herd, once a year, you have to have a veterinary intervention that says yeah. that they're well and what's going on.
1: Just make Because like, oh, sure yeah. a number of clients who come in and say. Any you know, any any problem with 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 Fido here? No, no problem at all. Ooh. Oh, all except he appears to have lost a leg during the last year. Joe, you know, I haven't noticed that. It's not quite like that. But the, the the owners often don't pick up on on even serious things, not through any fault of their own at all, but because they're not qualified to to, to read certain certain clinical signs, and so that's the benefit of of an annual check and 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 some would argue a, a biannual check would be would be more uh, more useful because actually if you can pick up on things very early on there's there's nothing worse than seeing a dog or or a cat for an annual check and saying oh, oh my goodness do you know there's a problem here there's a there's a lump i can feel there's little point in doing the vaccinations today because actually there, there's cancer, there's a problem here or, or whatever that, that we can't do much about, and and um, that that would have been picked up more often in the human field because there would have been a symptom, and dogs and cats don't have symptoms; they display clinical signs, and we can yeah. read those clinical signs as astute owners, or, or uh, I'm not, not saying that the astute owners are, are going to miss things because that would be an awful thing, wouldn't it? If your dog or cat comes up with a problem and, and, and you've missed it, if you've missed it, it's not because you're not an astute owner, it's because they are clinical signs, not symptoms, and symptoms are what we feel with the disease. And as humans, we can feel a disease far more quickly than an outward display of that disease is presented.
0: I, I think, well, there's another aspect to that, Julian, I think. Mm. And that is, um, there's two, two strains running here. Um, one is mm-hmm. that I rock up to my GP every year and go, it's time for my annual check. And he goes, what? You're the fittest per- patient I know. I got no, but I've always had an annual check, and that goes back to my days as a ski racer and a, and a cyclist, where we used to have six monthly checks to make sure that we were hitting our numbers um, but the the other thing is is that when you live with a person or live with an animal, the, the progressive nature of a disease or a problem is not noticed. Mm when you then see that person or that animal after a year or six months, you suddenly notice, and, and obviously in human terms, we go, oh, you're looking well. Hmm. Fat.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: You're looking well. You've gained two stone. Why have you gained this two <laughs> stone in the intervening period? Because the last time I saw you, you were skinny as a rake. And... and The value of that is that the last time you saw Mrs. Jones's tricky woo, um, spaniel cockapoo or whatever, you have fixed in your mind Mm. the perception of that animal as it was six or 12 months previously. Mm. Suddenly, they've got a lump here. They're overweight or they're underweight. Or, or something else and you look at your records and you say well I, I measured tricky woo at, at twenty kilos why is tricky woo thirty kilos today you know, that's the thirty percent increase in body you know what's been going on and then you you further investigate so, so to a certain extent I mean I, I'm fully fully with you on the annual mot on the vital service but you are depreciating the value of of time mm. and seeing that patient afresh and noticing the differences in in what's presenting because in your mind that animal is thin fat or whatever and suddenly they're presenting as fat thin or whatever
1: we had yeah. We had a client a few months back, um, sent a picture of uh, of a, a dog's um, a dog's eye. He's got got a nasty um thing on his eye. And so we said, well, send us a picture of of his eye. So she did. It was, it was this sort of out of focus little sort of greyish-whitish thing. And um and so my receptionist looked at it and said, Any chance of sending a clearer picture? So, you know, an hour later. I mean, she should have got the client straight in an hour later. The client said another photo, and this is a similarly out of focus sort of um, Petri dish picture. Yeah. Uh, no, any any chance of a, of a better picture? And so the client sent a picture of... She, she'd drawn something in felt tip and said, it looks a bit like that. And so the receptionist said, yes, I think you need to come straight in. <laughs> so-
0: So, tell me, Julian, have have we got... um, I know know Alison's a keen fan of the RCVS. And... uh, (laughs) No, Alison's giggling now.
2: No,
1: it's
2: just just, that could be misinterpreted.
1: You're just wondering where this is going to, aren't you? Are are you asking about a a CPD certificate? I'm I'm just wondering whether we've got a CPD certificate. Here we do. We do, look. Look, here we
0: go. So, what's this say?
1: This says, certificate for you to keep. Oh, and it says, it says, this certifies that Alison Lambert has joined you, it. Alison. Me, hey. Ramblings and taught us all well. Excellent. Now, the, the, the pictures around here may, may uh, need some sort of explanation. What, so, what's with the picture of the llamas? Well, there are alpacas. There
0: are alpacas. Okay. There
1: are alpacas. What's and, with and the
0: picture of the alpacas, Julian?
1: Well, it, it's really because Alison w- was brought up in a, in a farm in Yorkshire. We didn't have any alpacas. No, but I couldn't find... What I don't want to do is have, a, have to pay copyright for photos when I've got so many thousand on my on my camera. I, I didn't have any photos of a farm in Yorkshire. So so this is one just down the road from me in West Chortington. Right. Now, we're having targeted CPDs, so there's a target. Oh, right. There we go. And we're really wanting to highlight your company on switch. I, I didn't have any pictures of switches because they're rather boring to draw or paint or, or photo. So I, I've got a picture of a... that looks like a lighthouse. It's a lighthouse. And, and basically, okay. if you own a lighthouse, you'd be buggered without an on switch, wouldn't you?
2: Yes, and thereby hands a tail on the name as well, interesting, because there's no off switch.
1: There is no off switch in a lighthouse. You're absolutely right. So there we go, there's my lighthouse. And um, I thought there you go, you're providing uh, a rainbow which gives this amazing pot of gold for those that follow your training.
0: A cornucopia of knowledge shining a from
1: the A cornucopia cloud. of knowledge and wow. uh, it says um, signed me and him and written there him and me. So there you oh. go.
0: That's,
1: Isn't the
2: that's splendid.
0: So, really. so anybody can download the certificate. And depending on the length of the podcast, present that to the RCVS as their CPD for the evening.
1: Oh, but it's not valid oh. though, is it, Mike? Unless,
0: Yeah.
1: what do you have to do? You, 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 you do the CPD and then what do you have reflect. to do? Reflect.
0: You have to reflect. Reflect. So, so, Alison, can I invite you to join us in a moment of reflection on the CPD that we have provided this evening, please? There's no schoolboy giggles there, are there?
1: None, none a at all. A serious serious <laughs> reflection there.
0: Serious <laughs> reflection.
1: Serious So <laughs> thank, thank you, Alison, for that. Thank you very much indeed, Alison. Wonderful evening of CPD. Yes,
0: yeah, sure. absolutely. We're obviously at that time of the night, Alison. I have to prepare you for this. Additionally, Julian tells us a joke. Oh, right, okay. It might be polite to laugh. <laughs> You, well,
2: before
1: you, he tells it, <laughs> no, no, it's no, probably no. best you won't, you won't laugh afterwards. I'll, I'll, I'll cue you cue you in. in when is the and, best time to laugh. And, and I'll be honest, I completely forgot that I'd do a joke. I complete. I don't know why. But I you always do a joke. I know. I know. I completely forgot. But but I, I then thought halfway through this 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 evening's uh, chat, I thought I've got to do a joke. And then Alison said something that, that, that triggered in my mind the joke that I should do. Okay. So here we go. Uh and and we'll pick up the connection later. It's about um it's a current joke, so it it mentions the, the pandemic, but it's about this chap who has a very, very strong connection with his dog, and every day five past seven in the morning, he leaves his house, he walks down the road to the local shop, and he gets his paper. The dog comes with him and he pays for the paper, puts the paper in his dog's mouth, and the dog's walk back paper in his mouth every day he does that for at least five years, and this, this dog loves this routine, and one day the poor chap has got coronavirus, and he can't go out of the house, and he feels pretty miserable as well and he says to the dog he says, "Look I'm, I'm, we're not going this morning, we're not going to the shop and the, the dog looks miserable he's just he's used to this is his day five past seven every morning he goes out with his master. He walks to the shop and he thinks, I can't do it. I'm miserable. And, and the owner picks up on this because they've got a very close relationship. And he says, um, he says, tell you what, do you think you know the way to the shop? The dog goes, oh. so he puts his wallet in the dog's mouth. And he says, go along, go and see Bill at the village shop and get the paper and bring it back. So off goes the dog. And the, and the man lies back and he's got a temperature and a really sore throat he's feeling miserable and he's lying back in bed he drifts off for a while and he wakes up about an hour later and he thinks the dog's not back yet and he gives it another hour and he thinks he's still not back where is he? And, and he he knows he shouldn't go out but he's worried about his dog and, and so he he puts his coat on and he puts his mask on and he walks to the village shop and about about a mile down the road he hears this sort of grunting noise and it's coming from an alleyway and he looks into the alleyway and there's his dog making love to this gorgeous Cocker Spaniel. And he says, he says, Rover, Rover, my God, you've never done this before. And the dog says, well, in fairness, you've never given me the money before.
0: Quite a good joke. That's a good joke.
1: Oh, no. it's, it's not one of mine.
0: Is it not? <laughs> <laughs> Season three, and we've got a joke we can all laugh at. Yay! Yay! Woo! That's Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a good
2: one. <laughs> I've talked it. about
1: that joke because you said, quote, the animals don't pay the bills. So I thought, well, there we go.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> That's one that does. Exactly.
0: Robo <laughs> does. A blessing. What a fabulous joke. What a, what a wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful end to a marvellous evening.
1: What a great evening. What a fantastic evening. Thanks, it's actually Yeah, no, not knowing what I was walking into. It's
2: like, oh, right. well, that's a laugh. And
1: I've still got half a bottle of wine left. Like, so. oh, oh. The, yeah. oh, there we go. I know. I've still got half a bottle of whiskey left.
0: <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll deal with that. I think I've got about a quarter of a bottle of gin left.
1: Oh, goodness, that's taken it here, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah, one or two. but. <laughs> 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 <It's true. laughs> <laughs> on that note, on that note, Alison Lambert, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Pleasure. Right. And join us in the future for another episode of Veterinary Ramblings. And until the next time, may your dog go with you.
1: May your dog go with you. Cheers.
0: Cheers. <sighs> and Cut! <gasps> Oh,
1: Did you enjoy yourself, Alison? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's like
2: being at the bar at BSABA, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah it was, was like,
1: a great, it was a great evening, wasn't it? It was a good evening. Time. Yeah, and, and do, do, someone like that, she has so much talent, so much experience, so much to give back to the profession.
0: Oh, in so many ways and in so many areas.